Welcome back to The Strong Room. Here are Melanie Grant and Roland LeQuy with McMillan Estate Planning to discuss why families and family business owners can protect themselves with the help of a strong legal plan. It takes time and it takes a great plan to ensure that that business succeeds to the next generation. Without it, this is why we see 85% of businesses fail. So a lot of our families that come in are business owners and they want to ensure that their children don't fight over the business, that assets don't have to be sold to pay out um, maybe children that aren't in the business. So we do a lot of strategy work around that to ensure what they've worked so hard to create in the first place can pass on generation after generation. Um, and a lot of families are like, that's my name that's attached to that business, and I don't want it to get mismanaged or be fought over. And so the only way you can prevent that is by being proactive and completing an appropriate plan for your family. How does a good legal plan then, properly executed, provide this protection so we don't have these disasters? Well, you simply consider the issues. As Melanie alluded to, sometimes we have family businesses where you've got, say, three children, but only one worked in the family business. Now, how do we divide that? Because fair is not always equal. The child that has worked uh, a number of years in the family business to grow it, to maybe has taken uh, a salary, but not equivalent to being an owner, um, should they get a little bit more out of that family business as a result of their sweat equity? Um, other considerations are the unnamed beneficiary being CRA. The government is going to get a piece of that family business when there's a change of control. So if you don't plan for it properly, they will get their, their chunk of the family business, which could result in a financial hardship or perhaps selling off or mortgaging uh, an aspect of it in order to pay that unnamed beneficiary. Another thing that comes to mind for me, that's protection during your lifetime. And this would be part of your life plan, but also your legal plan, are your living documents. So that would be your enduring power of attorney and your personal directive. If you're a business owner and you're the one that signs the checks and have authority on that company and something happens to you, it can freeze essentially the business, which means employees might not be able to pay, be paid. How does that business continue on until you're able to resume and come back into the business. So we don't want to hand tie our business or our children. And by preparing these documents, it ensures protection while we're still here, that what we've worked so hard to create in the first place is um, will continue in, in operation as if you're still being able to operate it yourself. So again, this is another component that we help families build protection in, that layer of safeguard to ensure that their hard work isn't diminished or um, lost. Roland, as we come back to this visual of the foundation of the strong room, uh, what does the foundation of a strong legal plan look like? Well, in terms of the legal aspect of the plan, there has to be the, the basic legal documents, a will, which disposes of assets after you're gone, um, a power of attorney, which allows for someone to make decisions prior to your death, dealing with financial issues, and a personal directive, which deals with the health component. Again, someone who can step into your shoes and manage your physical well-being 
if you have an incapacity prior to death. So those are really the basics. Beyond that, we can get into trusts and um, um, unanimous shareholders agreements, other legal documents that, that would be a part of the legal plan. But the will, personal directive, power of attorney are really the basic documents, the basis of your floor. And we always suggest to families, Sherry shares this a lot at our seminars, is that if you're looking at determining for yourself as a family, you're sitting at home and going, okay, well, do I need a will or do I need a trust? We always say the rule of thumb is if you have a million dollar estate, which is not hard in Canada, then probably a will may not be sufficient enough. You might have actually outgrown the will process. We always recommend that we still have one in place. But maybe trust work would be a better option for a family to provide more protection for such a large um, estate. So again, there's lots of things to think about. Um, and that's what we like to ha- guide our families through that process and make it as easy for them as possible. So we ask all the soft questions and then we'll go to work on the technical to support that. And just to elaborate on that million dollar mark, when you look at liquidating your assets, so if I passed away and we liquidated my house, my RSPs, life insurance, it is quite attainable, that million-dollar figure. Sure, I don't have a million dollars in my bank account today, but when you look at liquidating your estate, that number is uh, attainable for the average Canadian. When you say then, just to go back to something you mentioned a moment ago, outgrowing a will, does that mean simply that the will just doesn't have enough capability to safeguard? Well, there's kind of, it's very easy to challenge an estate. So if you have beneficiaries that might not be happy with what you put in the will, um, the million dollar marker is kind of a, a good motivation for them to go, you know what, I, I need a bigger piece of this pie. And we see it often, Herb, unfortunately. So instead of using just a typical will, we suggest families to use a trust. It's private, which is critical to a family that want to maybe create not just equalized estates, maybe they want to gift a little bit more to another child because they've helped grow the business or they've helped care for them in their uh, retirement years. So it gives you some freedom to really create how you want your estate to go. And then it builds a wall of protection around that. Um, and trusts don't die, which is a beautiful thing. So that trust can continue on for generations. And that is... Uh, unfortunately, a lost opportunity in Canada if we don't take advantage of it. We can't put it in after the fact. We can't create a trust um, because we think that you might have wanted it. You have to do it during your lifetime. You have to put in those parameters and set the stage for it today to provide that protection for later. And it's when we think of insurance, we buy insurance for our vehicles and we buy our insurance for our travel and for our home and we buy it for our RVs. A trust is kind of like an insurance policy to ensure that your estate goes to who you want it to go to. Roland, these documents, vital documents that you described as basics, even there, to me, is an element of trust. How, in building this plan, can families choose the right people to give those roles and responsibilities too, in case of the incapacity, for example, and, and, and handling the financial matters properly? That is a very difficult question to answer. It takes a lot of inner thought by the person who's creating the document. Um, 
quite often we see parents sitting across the desk from us in the planning process and they say, you know, when, if something happened to us, our children would not fight. I, I can, I can guarantee that. They all get along really well. And uh, I can't imagine a situation where they will fight. Well, it turns out a lot of these families do fight. And it may not be um, your typical, I, you know, have, I want nothing to do with my sibling. Uh, it's more along the lines of, I don't agree with what you're doing with um, this investment. Or I think we should sell the house and move mom and dad into a care facility as opposed to letting them stay at home. And there's differences of opinions that often arise in these critical areas. So you really have to design your documents to allow for input from multiple parties. You don't want one child exercising a heavy hand and simply doing what they want and to heck with uh, his siblings or her siblings' uh, viewpoints. And you don't want to have anything missed. You don't want to leave out the concept of well, what happens with you know, running the family business. Who's going to make sure that the employees are getting paid? Um, it, it's comprehensive documents that really have to be a part of that basic legal plan. And I think it's very important we look at what the value set of the children are, not do they just get along, because I know that values come into play, and that's where a lot of emotions stem from, for family members. So if, like you said, Roland, if mom, one child wants to put mom and down into a home and the other one doesn't, that value set might be very different. And that's where a lot of family discord comes from quite quickly. Now, when we don't, aren't challenged on our values in everyday life, regular life, because mom and dad are kind of there and supervising, sometimes left to our own devices, that's when the real differences show. And also when we're grieving. People act out differently when they're going through grief than when they are in emotional calm place. So we have to weigh in all these factors when we're building that strong room and put in some measures of protection for our children so that we don't put them in harm's way by giving them maybe responsibility that would be a hardship for them or create family conflict. Preserving family harmony is one of the top priorities of the life and legacy work being done by Macmillan Estate Planning. We welcome you to visit our website, macmillanestate.com. Our thanks to Melanie Grant and Roland Lequay for their valuable contribution on the program today. This is The Strong Room.